Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm joined by Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Or are we joined by you, Dave? Oh. As I said that I felt like I was the host, like I'm joined tonight by... Yeah. Well, welcome Dave- to the Dave Warnicky Tonight Show featuring that's, Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins, special that's guests. That's your dream. You're Rove and we're Peter Hellier and Corinne Grant. Oh, that'd be great. I'd be okay with I'd that. I'd be fine with that. Yes. Okay, Which can we do that? You're Peter Hellier. Look at me. I'm Corinne Grant. <laughs> okay. Look at me. I'm Peter Hellier. Yeah. These are, of course, famous. The nicest man in showbiz. <laughs> oh. Is that true, Dave? It's Dave's boss as well. I do work with Peter Hellier, and he is a fantastic guy, both on and off screen. Very I funny. I met, met him in Perth very briefly. Did, he's a great guy. He just seems so, yeah, like a very nice man. I did a gig with him. This is going back quite a while, So, and it was me and two others who were fairly new, but like, you know fine we were good we did a good job and then he was a headliner but like he could have just left after the show it was just perfectly normal but we were just sitting having a drink and he sat down with this and we just had like a really nice long chat he's delightful so lovely all that comedy ah great guy Anyway, that's okay. Welcome to the Peter Hellier Appreciation Show. Yeah, well, I've got a lot of nice things to say about him, so let's go. <laughs> tell him at work that uh, that we've done this. Tell him. I'll tell him to listen. 
Yes. For the first 90 seconds and then he obviously can turn off. But he won't because he'll stick around and have a drink with this episode. Because he's a good guy. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Now, uh, here we are for another week. It's, it's always good to be here in the studio. So good to be here. Weather report heating up slightly today. Yeah. So we'll get delirious about the hour mark. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But we'll snap out of it. <laughs> we'll snap out of it. Jess, it is your turn to report on a topic that has been suggested by a listener. You've put it to the Patreon our supporters to vote on. I have. And I would also like to point out that I, Jessica Ann Perkins, wrote a question. Fuck you. Yeah. Not wow. 10 minutes ago. I wrote this at the very beginning wow. of my report. I wrote the question before I wrote the report. That's good. Does that mean you didn't bother writing a report? It, what? What? Because usually you write the report and not the question. This week you've written the question. I assume the report is empty. Yeah, she blags the question. This week she's going to blag the report. Easy. So what? You're going to nail it with a great question, though. It's going to be a good question and then we're just going to have some fun. We're just going to catch up. We're going to connect. Oh, yeah, that's riff. That's right. riff. Let's just do some more plugs. Okay. People love plugs. They love them. Sorry about all the plugs, everybody. Okay, here's my question. Ready? Everybody's got to make a living. I should... Should I... I probably should say now, should I come clean, Jess? Maybe. I uh, I have to sit out from this question. Get this, Dave. We haven't told you this yet. You know how we're recording two episodes today? Oh, am I saying that much? No, that's fine, yeah. Because I'm, cause, cause I'm going to Adelaide, obviously we had to record uh, one of these episodes ahead of time, this very episode. So uh, last night I messaged Jess and I said, and you were there because it was in the group chat, and I said, Jess, just to double check, um, uh, that we're not doing the same report. Uh, mine's about a dead guy, and Jess replied, uh, "Mine's also about a dead guy." So let's take this to a private chat away from Dave. Oh my god! Because oh. it's our biggest fear that we'll both turn up and do it, and you've spent eight hours researching, and then the other person's already done. So, so I go into a private chat with Jess, and I go, uh, "Hey, Jess." <laughs> anyway, and then um, I go, uh, "My guy died in the last fifty years," and Jess goes, "Oh, phew." Mine died two years ago. And I went, no, mine did too. I was trying to be broad to to not give it away. Mine also died two years ago, but a lot of people died two years ago. Was he an entertainer? She said, yes. Oh, I said, a musician? She said, yes. She said, first name, and I said, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, so we would... We were both. We'd both started a report on the same. Are you kidding? Topic? No, we're no not kidding. kidding. So I had to change. So last week, my vote was actually for this person. I had to go to the second most popular voted. Right, which was Johnny Cash. Yes. Yeah. Dave, this question is for you. Which English rocker shares his name with an Australian department store chain? Oh, oh. I see what you're doing. Harvey Norman. <laughs> <laughs> go one better. No, is that? Ha, no. Harvey World Travel. That's Harvey World Travel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Is it Harvey World? (gasps) Harvey World. I believe you are talking about the one and only David Jones, a.k.a. David Bowie. Correct. Yeah. The topic that I or the the, um, theme that I went for for our listeners was uh, which Dave do you want me to do a report on? And Warnicky didn't win the Warnicky did not make it. I was not going to do a report about you, Dave. I was going to say, You've did you put it in? nothing. I know, compared to the, the great man, the boaster. Okay. But Miles Davis, the people voted and it was a bit of a landslide to... Um, to Bowie. Yeah. Well, I'm also a big fan of the David Bowie. So, And do you know what? <laughs> the David, the David Bowie. Bowie. Do you know what as well? There it's a great is... trick tr- question. It's too bad that Dave had that I know. He intel. had that locked and loaded. Mm. Sorry that I knew that. 
Also, the name of our friend Peter Jones's dad. <gasps> He's David Jones. What are the odds? I know. This is becoming a real freaky Friday. It's wacky. I mean, it's not Friday today, but still. They don't that's know even, that. That's the freakier if thing about it. If you're listening on a Friday, though. <gasps> fuck. fuck. Buy I'm... a lottery ticket and burn it because it'll be evil. It'll be freaky. <laughs> um, there is so much about Bowie, like... So much that you can't possibly cover it all. So basically, my report. I'm just. I'm just warning you now. It's a, It's largely about his early years, um, and then because he's done so much, he's done so many careers over such a long period of time. It's impossible to fit it all into a timeline. I don't know how he's done it. I think he's a wizard. Anyway, that's another theory for another day. <laughs> Um, Mole person, but I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that now in case people are like you forgot to mention this part. It's like, yeah, I know I did. I forgot to mention a lot of parts. Anyway, so David Robert Jones was born on the eighth of January in 1947 in Brixton in London. Uh, his mother, his mother, <laughs> his mother, mother, his mother, Margaret, uh, <laughs> Margaret Mary Jones, or she went by Peggy, worked as a waitress at a cinema. It's pretty cool. And his father, Haywood Jones, worked as a promotions officer for the children's charity Bernardo's. Haywood is a great first Haywood's name. Haywood's Haywood. was great. Haywood Stenton. Oh, my goodness. So good. Um, in 1953, Bowie, uh, the whole Bowie, um, oh, sorry, the Jones family moved to Bromley. And in, a couple of years later in 55, he started attending the Burnt Ash Junior School. Burnt oh, my Ash. God. It's a bit dramatic, isn't it? Um According so his voice his singing voice was considered adequate by the school choir. Stop it. Adequate. Oh. Well, I suppose you still got in, I imagine, to the choir. Well yeah, like he was still singing. He was he was fine. He wasn't They always gush the English, don't they? <laughs> God, they they're just full of compliments. How was the concert adequate? Mm. But he did demonstrate above average abilities in playing the recorder. Above adequate. <laughs> yeah. Do 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 <laughs> no offense if you are a professional recorder player, but it is probably the worst instrument. <laughs> That's my primary school experience. It is not the worst instrument. Okay, worse? name one worse. Triangle. How's that worse? No. Oh, I mean, what is it? What can you do with a triangle? Ding. Yeah, but I'd be more annoyed if my kid was a triangle player. Uh, less annoyed if they're playing triangle than recorder. Yeah, because if they're practicing recorder, if your kid's sorry. playing triangle. What have you done, Robert? But if okay, Matt, but you're not th- you're thinking about it in terms of like that child's success. We're thinking about it in terms of how annoying, it, annoying. practicing is at home. Sorry, I just remembered that bagpipes exist, and mm-hmm. if you're good at if you're good at them, it's fantastic. But if my child was trying to be a bagpipe player, yep. there'd be many years of sucking and I and blowing, by the way, <laughs> and I could not handle that. But I, it, even if they, I mean, even when it's good, it's a powerful thing in it. Yeah, in you, your, you wouldn't want a child to play that. But you get, do get the opportunity once in a while because it's quite a niche instrument. If you're good at it, you get cool opportunities. Like I told you that John Farnham played at my work Christmas party. What? I told you that. No. No. Which, when? What? Like last Christmas. Like last, like six weeks ago? Yes. 
I do not. I fucking told you. I also put it all over Instagram. You John jerks. Farnham. John no. fucking Farnham. What is your company? John Farnham played at the work Christmas party what? and I lost my shit. How much money are they paying John Farnham? By the way, if you're from overseas, John Farnham is a big nostalgic deal here. He is huge. He was, you know, one of the, he had the greatest selling Australian album for quite a long time. He is an icon. Whispering Jack. He's an absolute ice, ice con. He's an absolute <laughs> asshole. <laughs> He's an icon. He came and played at our Christmas party. I lost my shit. It was amazing. And when he did the voice, somebody come, a, a girl oh, came God, out. Included a bagpiper. Including, so like we got a fucking full backing band, John Farnham, and then somebody came out with the bagpipes and she played a little bit. We all lost our fucking minds. Was and he then wearing she a sal- dryer's bone? Wait, then she saluted John Farnham and oh. walked off the did stage. Did he salute back? It was incredible. Did he salute back? I assume so. Was Darren Hinch? In, I touched there? his hand. You know, Darren Hinch was in the film clip. No, playing a an angry husband. Typical. I think he fisted the table. Oh, okay. Slammed the table it. with his fist. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, how many song. songs did John play? Oh, quite a few. I was at uh, Paul McCartney, which I mentioned uh, mm. not too long ago, and uh, he played Mull of Kintyre. Uh, <laughs> fuck, had a stroke mid uh, word there, and he um. He, during that song, a whole uh, school piping band came out. See, that's cool. Playing recorder? Playing the recorder. And and everyone left. (laughs) (laughs) So David Bowie played the recorder. And, I mean, didn't he he play that in one of his big... big, I'm sure I saw that's in one of his hits. Anyway, we've derailed very early just because I mentioned the recorder, which we all played in primary school. Oh, we didn't get that complicated. We got a whole cross month. Anyway, um, at the age of nine, his dancing during the music and movement class was strikingly imaginative. Teachers <laughs> called his interpretations vividly artistic. Vividly adequate. And his poise astonishing for a child. Kid could move from an early age. Yeah, wow. Jester doing an impression and I can only imagine that's what was he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We were talking earlier because I saw Father John Misty last night and Matt and, and Matt and I in particular are big fans of his six dance moves that he has. Yes. They're I love fun. it. And he rotates through the six. Oh, and they're so good. Across the two hours. <laughs> oh, worth it. Um, his father brought home a collection of American records, um, including Elvis Presley and Little Richard. And when he listened to Little Richard's songs, song Tutti Fruity for the first time, Bowie would later say that he had heard God. What a co- at the time he was listening to that song. Wow. Coincidence. And then he sort of associated somehow with Little Richard. Mm, mm. I guess you would if you're listening to a song and God talks to you. Yeah, what would God say? Say, turn that off. I'm talking. <laughs> Trying to chat to you and you're listening to bloody Tootie Fruity Ola Rudy. <laughs> and what is he even on about? Turn that racket down. <laughs> um, Elvis also had an effect on young Bowie. Um, who said watching his cousin dance to Hound Dog made him realise the power of music. Um, he took up the ukulele. Sorry, just to confirm, his cousin wasn't Elvis Presley. No, dance to the song Hound Dog. It was like he loved Elvis Presley. Watching his cousin dance <laughs> to Hound Dog, I was like, whoa, <laughs> no. should have mentioned that. Not related. Okay. Um, so, yeah, he takes up the ukulele, which is a noble instrument that only the finest and most talented people play. I'll put it up there with the recorder. It's... It's the recorder of the guitar world. Fuck. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, it's also, like, adorkable, so. 
And whimsical. Oh, no doubt about that. Mm. Um, Tiptoe through the tulips. <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the big hits on the ukulele, isn't it? Tiny Tim? Is that, a, is that are those things I said real? <laughs> <laughs> Matt's having a stroke again. Um, what? <laughs> and he also took up the tea chest bass, which is a fun instrument. Um, and he began to participate in skiffle sessions with his friends. So skiffle's like a jazz, blues, folk, um, like American a, folk influence. But an English, it's like an English thing in particular, right? Because that wasn't skiffle. skiffle. Yeah. The first Beatles band was a skiffle band. Yeah, the, yeah like a skiffle uh, rock band. It's influenced by American, American folk as well. Right, but it's gone through a weird yeah. English, uh, And it's, I want to say, paradigm. Okay. No. I don't want to say that. Usually a combination of like um, homemade or improvised instruments, which is basically what a T-chess bass is as well. It's the same as like they used to, Americans would do it with like a, um, like a, not a wash tub, but like a, a yeah, a tub turned over. Right. Yeah, it's like that. Um, he also started playing the piano and he left. Um, Finally a real instrument. <laughs> he left the junior school and he went on to Bromley Technical High School and he studied art, music and design. Um, he became interested in modern jazz through his half-brother Terry um, and his mother gave him uh, a saxophone in 1961, so just adding another instrument to his repertoire. Oh. Are you guys aware of um, Bowie's Two Different Eyes? Yeah. It became sort of one of like his most notable features. So long thought was he was born with, you know, because that is a, a thing um, mm. people have, a condition where you can have two different coloured eyes, but I believe that's not quite right, is not it? Not right. So they're not two different colours. Um in 1962 at school, his friend George Underwood punched him in the left eye during a fight over a girl. <laughs> they were like 15, huh? 16 at this time. Um, he was apparently, apparently he was hospitalised for a number of months and he had several surgeries. Whoa, months? Months. But they couldn't fully repair the damage and he was left with faulty depth perception and, per- and a permanently dilated pupil in his left eye. So his right eye is like very blue. And obviously the pupil, like in light, would will go quite small, but the other, his left eye will be permanently dilated, so it kind of looks almost black. Right. Oh. Hmm. Um, the two boys actually remained really good friends, <laughs> despite him, you know, causing uh, all that damage. And Underwood became an artist and designed some of Bowie's future album covers. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And Bowie actually ended up thinking the eye, his eye, kind of gave him an, an air of mystique. He kind of in, liked that part of his look. Yep. Which is kind of cool. That's a good look. It's a cool Kids look. Kids don't try it at home. Well, it gives you an excuse to wear an eye patch, which he did. Yes. And go to hospital for multiple months. That's great. Everyone's looking for an excuse, right? Yeah. Um, in 1962, he formed his first band at the age of 15. Um, they were called the Conrads, and they played local gatherings and weddings. Um, he left the technical school the following year at the age of 16, and he informed his parents of his intention to become a pop star, which his mum was not... Keen on. Okay, David. All right. All right. And apparently she, like, arranged a job for him through a family friend kind of thing. She was like, oh, okay, you're going to be a pop star, and then, like, went and got him a job, a proper job. It's interesting. The difference between uh, Johnny Cash, we talked about last week, and his mum going, scraping together yeah. dollars to get him singing lessons. Because she saw talent. Mm. Yeah. True. I don't know. I think there's probably something in every parent who just wants their kid to be okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like, oh, please just... Earn, earn enough money to be okay. Just be okay. Oh, yeah. But then after a couple of years, your parents get over that and learn to support your dream of the arts. And they say, okay, well, she's not going to do anything with that degree and that's fine. 
we're fine with it. I mean, it's an art degree, so... So technically, she's kind of doing it. Hey, right. she'll find her feet. Everyone's different. So, I mean, I guess that could happen. <clears throat> when when did when did they come around? Was it when you were on the radio? It's probably when I had to move back home with them recently. That's probably when they've discovered that I'm really doing well. Is that why they're happy with you? <laughs> yeah. Someone they discovered you were a runaway financial success. <laughs> yeah, like, God, God, we're proud of this one. <laughs> If only our eldest child with a stable career and a good skill set would uh, would follow from his little sister's the dreamer. footsteps. Yeah, she's our little dreamer. Oh, she's got a tattoo now. Fantastic. <laughs> well, she's talking to the youth, <laughs> talking to the youth nationally. Mm, mm. When your brother brother came out and said, "I'm going to be a builder," was your, your they, like, they cried. Absolutely not. Yeah. Over my dead body, said, you will be a singer. I said, "What do you mean you're going to work really hard at an apprenticeship for four years?" What do you mean? You're a disgrace to the name Perkins. What do you mean you're going to just use your hands and very practical skills and your logical mind? Going to do the job that Jesus had. What do you mean you're going to build people homes? Michael, not in this house, which you also built. (laughs) Wow. Did he actually? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So every morning you wake up and you look around. I literally, yeah, I now live again inside the house my brother built. Wait, so it's not your childhood home? Well, when did he build it? Well, as in we bought. Oh God, this he is was, derailing. He was really gifted. They bought the house. They've demolished the back of it, and he's rebuilt right. the back. Wow, it just blows my mind that humans can build houses. It's like something yeah, they that gods would do. Do, mm. do podcasts. Well, and all as magicians. I said, Jesus was a builder, as I said. <gasps> he was a god. Okay, we've derailed. Let's get back on topic, if I may. Yeah. Okay. Um, go on. So Bowie got frustrated with the other members of the Conrads because they weren't as ambitious as he was. They didn't have big dreams. So he left the band and joined a new one called the King Bees. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty right. good. Could have, could have been called the Dreamers or something. But all right. His debut single was called Liza Jane. It was credited to Davy Jones and the King Bees. And it had no commercial success. Um, and he quit the band less than a month later. And joined another band, the Manish Boys. Oh, these are shocking names. They're David. not good names. David, David Jones and the King Bees. I'm okay with that. You like a da 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 and the yeah, that classic. So the Manish Boys were another sort of blues group. Um, they incorporated a bit of funk and a bit of soul. Um, soul. soul. Bowie said, "I used to dream of being their Mick Jagger," which is pretty cool. Um, they did a cover of uh, I Pity the Fool, which was originally by Bobby Bland. Oh, not Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't very successful either, much like their first, uh, his first song, Liza Jane. Unlike Mr. T. <laughs> <laughs> and Bowie soon moved on again to join the Lower Third, which was a blues trio strongly influenced by The Who. Um, and they released a song called You've Got a Habit of Leaving. And again, not, not hugely successful. He hated his stage name of Davy Jones. Because um, in the mid '60s, stage it, name it got confused with David Jones of the Monkees. Hey, hey! So he renamed himself David Bowie um, after the 19th century American pioneer James Bowie. Such a great name! It is mm. cool. I like Bowie. so great. His um his single "The Laughing Gnome," which came out in 1967, um, used sped up. And sort of high pitched vocals, and again, it also <laughs> failed to chart. I can't believe that that didn't chart. The, the, the laughing gnome. 
<laughs> for someone who would go on to be one of the coolest people of all time, he yeah. had a pretty shitty start. But I'd love to all... hear that. I, I don't know if I've heard any of these tracks. No, these are all quite old. And he's all, uh, he was very young still at this point, right? Still a teenager. Oh, he was at least early. This yeah. has been a couple of years through these ones. Yeah, this is 67, so he's um, 20. Uh, I love a guy. Like, that's... That's drive. I think your your career would just about be finished these days in music if you had that many failures, like five singles or yeah. something. Because I think he, I think a lot of those he signed a deal and they were released through a, uh, a label or a, maybe a smallish label. But yeah, so he's convincing people to back him mm. time and time again. Yeah. So, um, so uh, a few weeks later, after he released the Laughing Gnome, he released his debut album, self-titled David Bowie. Um, and it was an amalgam of like pop, psychedelic, um, and it, it also didn't do very well. Um, and it was his last release for two years. He sort of had a little hiatus. It would have been pretty, like, imagine you, you make an album, you're pouring your soul into it, so it would be a bit. It's so disheartening. Mm. Yeah. But I guess it depends. I mean, we're, we're talking about flops compared to where he ended up. I guess, you know, when you're starting out, selling any albums would be somewhat exciting, right? For sure. Which he didn't do. Absolutely zero sales. <laughs> well, remember when we started the podcast and it got like any downloads and we were like, oh, my God, yeah, people are nice. listening. Amazing. Now it's we're so- like, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> we are evil. We have become evil. <laughs> yeah. We've become it's what changed we hate. Us. I miss that bit. Did you miss that? I do that every week. I say, how many downloads have we got? More. I want more. Anyway, also in 1967, he began to study the dramatic arts under the tutelage of a a, a gentleman called Lindsay Kemp, who was an English dancer, actor, teacher, mime artist and choreographer. Um, Bowie studied a range of things from avant-garde theatre and mime um, and he continued to release music and perform with other groups, but he was kind of focused more on on his other studies and, and doing these sorts of things as well. In 68, Kemp choreographed a dance scene for a BBC play called The Pistol Shot, and he used Bowie um, along with a dancer, Hermione Farthingale, and the pair began dating and moved into a London flat together. Hermione Farthingale. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Farthingale. Hermione is already good. Yeah. Farthingale. Yeah. She sounds like a mythical, she sounds like a character in something exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And some sort of thing. (laughs) I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but yes, yes, that is it. Basically what I'm saying is that's a cool name. (laughs) Yes, I read. What do you read? I read things. Things. What's your favourite genre? Mm, Things. Things. (laughs) (laughs) I say stupid things. Farthingale is. Farthingale. So they also, Farthingale and Bowie formed a little group as well with guitarist John Hutchinson. Um, And for a few months the trio gave a small number of concertos, (laughs) concertos, <laughs> not really, concerts, combining folk. They didn't give a concerto. No I never, concertos. I never connected the word concert and concerto together. Is that, what does concerto mean? Concert. Does it really? I always, yeah, because I always associate that with classical music, right? Mm. And it's sometimes that's a piece of music called a concerto, right? But that's what it's saying. It was just made for the 
for a performance. For, for a performance. Let's have a look. It's the first thing I've learnt in this episode. <laughs> it's a musical composition usually composed in three movements in which usually one solo instrument, for instance a piano, violin, cello or flute, is accompanied by an orchestra or a concert band. Right. That's a concerto. Okay, so, it, so I didn't learn anything then. After. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. Um so yeah, they, they were sort of performing as a group. And they, they broke up in 1969 when she went to Norway to take part in a film called Song of Norway. Johnny Cash, biggest artist in the world at that time. Mm. And this affected him and several of his songs, such as Letter to Hermione and Life on Mars reference her. Letter to Hermione is a little more specific, <laughs> uh, less... It's a bit more obvious that he's referring to her. Than Life on Mars. Yeah, Life well. <laughs> on Mars could be a bit more vague. Um, finally, in 1969, he found success with the release of a song. Can you guess what song? Changes. Well, think about it. So this is 1969. What else happened that year? Around, Man on the Moon. Around July, uh, perhaps. Um, Audit, Space Oddity. Yeah. There we go. I mean, Matt, you didn't give Dave a chance. His eyes were lighting up like oh. he kind of knew. Sorry, Dave. I also thought of the moon thing, but that's fine. Yep. I'm not annoyed. <laughs> Just disappointed. <laughs> so on the 11th of July, 1969, Space Oddity was released five days ahead of the Apollo 11 launch, and it reached uh, the top five in the UK. Which was huge. Well, like it's the biggest he's he'd certainly gotten by that stage. Earlier that year, Bowie had met Angela Barnett in in the April, and she was an American model, actress, and journalist. And they married within a year. Um, See, it's interesting that Space Oddity was the first song a lot of people heard because I, I reckon some people would must have thought it was almost like a novelty song, right? If that's the only song of his you knew, right? And it was yeah. being released at the time of the of, of the. Mm. Uh, like the thing. launch and everything. So, yeah, so that's interesting. I, I'm, I bet you some people would have written him off early. Yeah, one-hit wonder kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Similar to uh, Joe Dolce's Shut Up at Your Face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's the matter, you? Why do you look so sad? Is that oh, released that from... a, that's no good, is it? Is that released... It's a nicer place. <laughs> released around the time the first Italian man walked on the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes. Shut up, your face. <laughs> yeah, like weird Australian, Italian, broken English. Mm. Um, so he's married now to to Angie, and she had a, like an immediate, a very strong influence on Bowie and his career. Um, he'd been frustrated by his manager Ken Pitt, so he fired Ken. Um, Space Oddity had uh, really established Bowie as a solo artist, but he wanted a band. He wanted to have people playing with him that he could relate to and he could perf- he could perform with. So he and um, his session guitarist, Mark Boland, discussed it and they put together a band. They originally called themselves The Hype, which is a very cool band name. That is cool. Much cooler than Lower Third. Lower Third. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Conrads of the K. Um, The Hype. Um, And they all created characters and wore elaborate costumes. The Hype. I've never heard of The Hype. I've heard of Mark Boland. Yeah, but he's the the front man from... Like Depeche Mode or something? Um, No, from... It's something like, uh, what are they called? The uh, like T uh, T Rex or something like that. Uh, Mark Boland. Yeah, it's T Rex. You're right. You are right, sir. Big, um, like a a glam, glam yeah. band. And so their costumes and stuff were really elaborate, and they, I reckon it was it was probably like a, a glam rock kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and their, their but their first performance as a band was a disaster. 
So they went back to presenting Bowie as a solo artist and they were his backup band. Right. Oh, wow. They got one gig. One gig was They just terrible. did that slow walk from the front of the stage <laughs> back that. to their position. <laughs> of the then the crowd started to come around like, okay, now yeah, yeah. something's changed here. I can't tell what, but I like it. Bowie was like, just get behind the curtain. Guys, <laughs> back guys, behind the curtain. Guys, guys, fuck off. Get the fuck off the stage, guys. <laughs> guys, please. The hype is real. <laughs> the hype is not real. <laughs> There was quite a fiery relationship in the band and there was tension and fighting between Bowie and the drummer John Cambridge. Eventually Cambridge quit and was replaced by another drummer called Mick Woodsmaney. Much better name. Woodmainsy. Fuck. <laughs> I prefer the Spainsy. <laughs> that sounds like someone making up a name on the spot. Yeah. Hi, I'm Mick Woodmainsy. <laughs> Welcome, Mick. <laughs> Lovely to meet you, Mick. Um, Bowie's third album. The Man Who Sold the World was released in 1970 and this album was heavier and more rock-influenced than the acoustic and folk sound of Space Oddity and Mercury Record financed a coast-to-coast publicity tour across America. Um, He took full advantage of his androgynous appearance and the original cover for his album showed Bowie posing in a dress. He's kind of like lying across a lounge in this really elaborate dress Um, and he took the dress with him on tour and wore it to press interviews. Um, The press loved it. The public were very mixed. Because um, keep in mind, this is like 1970. In, yeah, America, conservative in parts. Yeah. If it's coast to coast, yeah. imagine going through some pretty conservative areas. And apparently one guy on the street one day pulled a gun on Bowie and said, kiss my ass. Oh. Seems like a weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> and Bowie's response? I'm not sure. Well, you know. Pulled out a bigger gun and said, no, you kiss my ass. Yeah, that's how you get him. You call that a threat to kiss my ass? <laughs> this, this is a threat to kiss my ass. Um, so his music started doing well and his family's growing too. In May of 1971, David and Angie welcomed their first child, Duncan, uh, I, I think it, I assume it's Zoe. Duncan oh, yeah. Zoe Hayward Jones. Zoe Bowie. Zoe Bowie. Is the... Yeah. Um, but it kind of looks like it could be Zowie. Zowie Duncan Zoe Hayward Jones. Um, this two were also led Bowie to the inspiration for his character of Ziggy Stardust. Um, dressed in a striking costume, his hair dyed reddish brown, Bowie launched his Ziggy, Zart- Ziggy Stardust stage show with the Spiders from Mars, which was the backup band, um, at the Toby Jug Pub on the 10th of Feb in 1972. Ziggy was a huge success. Bowie spent the next six months touring the UK and the show launched him to stardom. The rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, it's a lengthy title but it's good, um, was released in 1972 and it was Bowie's fifth studio album. Um, Starman was released a couple of months ahead of the rest of the album and both the single and the album charted rapidly following his July Top of the Pops performance. It's a good tune. It's great. So good. Um, and the album actually remained in the charts for two years, which is crazy. Mm. That's such a long time. Um, Got a bloody, it's sort of like that Shania Twain album all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I say lightning doesn't strike twice, but it does. <laughs> Once for Shania and then David Bowie. Yeah. And when I think David Bowie, I think Shania, Shania. Twain. Shania, yeah. You know, just equal playing fields. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, the Ziggy Stardust character was a melding of the personality of Iggy Pop and the music of Lou Reed. They were kind of the two main inspirations for Ziggy Stardust. And after the success of his album, Bowie got to work with both of these artists who inspired this persona. 
which is kind of cool. He sang backing vocals on Lou Reed's 1972 um, Transformer. And I'm pretty he... sure I've heard uh, Iggy say that um, seeing Lou Reed in, um, made him realise that he could be a musician. Yeah, wow. Like he, yeah, sorry, he goes, wow, you don't have to be a great singer to be a singer. I'm, I'm sure I've heard him say yeah, that in an interview. It's amazing. I always really like hearing about um, like f- all these incredibly famous people knowing each other from starting together, obviously, yeah. like like Johnny Cash and Elvis gigged yeah. together. Wild. Yeah. When it's that, insane. Yeah, then you're like, out. I know both of those names, but there was probably 20 other acts who performed with them at the same time as well, but obviously didn't get reach the level of fame that we now still remember them. Yep. But it's just so cool. Love you, a scene. Do you think that with comedy? Do you ever think which one of us is going to make it? I mean, I'm going to. Which one of you guys is also going to make it? Oh. Um, I mean, is neither an option? Yeah, I'd say neither. Wait. Oh, as in you two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've already established yeah. that I'm the star. Yeah. I'm yes. the star. Yeah, just. of course. That's... I'm the Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. Where, the, where does the hype... We're, we're the, shadow. Yeah, we tried to come out and then you said, get the fuck back. <laughs> and we said, all right. It was for your own good. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, yeah, so he, he did back on, uh, backing vocals for Lou Reed and then he co-produced and mixed an album for the Stooges alongside Iggy Pop. So he's working with both of these people that inspired his sort of persona, which is really cool. Um, his own album, Aladdin Sane, topped the UK chart, his first number one album. And um, his love of acting led his total immersion in the characters he created for his music. This is a quote from him. He says, off stage, I'm a robot. On stage, I achieve emotion. It's probably why I prefer dressing up as Ziggy to being David. Wow. Mm. I don't know how to feel about that. He struggled, Well, he kind of struggled to separate himself from Ziggy. He said that he felt like Ziggy wouldn't leave him alone for many years. 
So my whole personality was affected. It became very dangerous. I really did have doubts about my sanity. Which is kind of crazy. After breaking up the spiders from Mars, Bowie attempted to move on from his Ziggy uh, persona. And he moved to the US in 1974 and he settled down in LA. Um, The same year he released his album Diamond Dogs. It went to number one in the UK and he set out on his Diamond Dogs tour of the US. Um, it was quite a show. It had a high-budget stage production and special effects and a guy called Alan Yentob um, filmed the tour and produced a documentary called Cracked Actor, which is fun to say. I mean, you could have called it Diamond Dog. Or Cracked-a. Oh, that's better. That's why you're going to make it. <laughs> yep. Just move back in with my parents. The doco <laughs> shows a sickly and pale Bowie. The tour actually coincided with his heavy cocaine use, which um, later led to his addiction. And he had severe um, like physical issues, paranoia, emotional problems. He took a little break in a broke. <laughs> he took a little break in Philadelphia, and in 1975, he released Young Americans. Um, it was a very different sound to his previous work, and initially, it kind of divided his UK fans. Bowie himself referred to it as as plastic soul. Have you heard that term? Yeah, used? plastic soul. It's like the the Beatles album Rubber Soul is sort of a, a similar idea. Yeah. Sort of like white, yeah. white soul, basically. Yeah. bit fake. White people trying to do soul music. Inauthentic like, soul. Inauthentic is the perfect word, yeah. So it's not it's not real. It's not seen by soul fans as real soul music. But he, he didn't describe it that way until later, did he? Or was it... Yeah, I think it was later. Yeah, he was. Well, like he, looking at the time, he, he, he It wasn't his in intention. It, yeah. Yeah. That he was just sort of, you know, trying to create that type of music. Hmm. Um. But it was it was I really like some of the yeah. songs on that album. Yeah, Young Americans are great track. Yeah. And other people did too. Like uh, it just initially people were just like, nah, different. Um Young Americans gave Bowie his first US number one. Right. Um and Fame, which was co written with John Lennon, um, who also did some backing vocals. And Lennon called Bowie's work great, but it's just rock and roll with lipstick on. <laughs> which is I'm not sure how to feel about that. Is that a compliment? Sounds I don't great. Th- yeah, it's, I think he's saying don't get too excited by it. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it is like the, he's he's um talking it down to just lipstick, but it was a whole lot of, it was like he created whole worlds of fashion and stuff. Totally. Oh, yeah, he was a huge influence for sure. Did you get to the, um that, uh, I forget where, what was it at, um, it's one of the museums in Melbourne, they did, they showed all his... Fashion and shit. I'm not talking too good. They did. Now. That was a when was that was a while ago, wasn't Maybe it? A couple it was of years at Acme, ago. yeah. Was it at Acme? Yeah, right? no, I didn't get to it. It was really good. Yeah, it would have been. I was picturing it at um somewhere else. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> it's a good story, but yeah, it was great. It was a it was a it was a it was a cool expedition. Pretty amazing. Expedition. Oh, an ex- expedition ex- to see the exhibition. Exhibition. Yeah. I caught a train there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Lost a few good men that day. <laughs> Just a few. Yeah. Going over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, Bowie was one of the first white artists to appear on the US variety show Soul Train, and he performed two songs, Fame as well as Golden Years, and both were mimed. Fun little fact for you. Golden Years, famously covered by Marilyn Manson. Mm. That's the first version of it I heard. Golden Years. Golden wah, wah, wah. It's like just... So right, who's, that's, who's the Bowie, that? that's the Bowie version. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's the thing. I was I mean, like, I know the song. That didn't but... sound like either, really. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, that's okay. Oh, that was what you were saying. Yeah. 
He's having a little stab at you. Just a little little quip. A little quip. Quippy. Just a little quip. Oh, ow. You just whipped me. It hurts. Ow. Whip. Whip it good. Um... Station to Station was released in 1976. It was produced by Bowie with Harry Maslin and it introduced a new Bowie persona, the Thin White Duke. Uh-huh. You know the Thin White Duke? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the um, description of the Thin White Duke. It says, sporting well-groomed blonde hair and wearing a simple and impeccably stylish cabaret-style wardrobe consisting of a white shirt, black trousers and a waistcoat, the Duke was a hollow man who sang songs of romance with an agonised intensity while feeling nothing. (laughs) Ice masquerading as fire. That's good. The persona had been described as a mad aristocrat, um, an amoral zombie, and an emotionless Aryan Superman. Oh, my God. I mean, they're all good descriptions. Yeah, wow. Put them all together and what have you got? I mean, I'd put that on my posters for a comedy Mm. festival show. Faux show. Then what, Duke? In White Duke's good, isn't it? Good. It was also kind of a, a particularly rough time for him personally. He um, had overdosed on, on cocaine several times. He was very unwell. He'd made positive comments about Hitler and fascism and later blamed a lot really? of it on the Thin White Duke character and also the drugs. It's kind of like it was all taken out of context. And yeah, I've never heard that. I know. I know. Dave, can you relate to that at all? Just out of context? Being taken out of context, yes. And also several cocaine overdoses. <laughs> Dave. We said we wouldn't talk about that on the pod. Well, it's my overdose, and I'll talk about it if I want. You're right. I'm sorry. Thank you. Sorry to shame you. Um, He moved to Switzerland in 1976, purchasing a chalet in the hills to the north of Lake Geneva. Just a chalet. Sounds lovely. Man. Yeah. Because, you know, they talk about now there's no money in music, and still there's multimillionaires from music. But back then... The people at the top of music would just would have been fucking loaded, I guess. Incredible. Well, he purchased a fucking chalet Although in it Switzerland. Did, it did depend because there were times in England where they just got taxed hard, right? Mm. Like in the Beatles, didn't they? Didn't they get taxed like ninety percent or something at, at one point? Gosh, that seems pretty that high. Seems high. Yeah, but it was a lot. Um, but anyway, in this new environment, in his chalet, his cocaine use decreased, and he found time for other pursuits outside his musical career. He devoted more time to his painting and produced a number of postmodernist pieces. He's quite a talented painter too. God damn it. He can do everything. He can literally do fucking everything. It's so annoying. When I can't do one thing. Give me one. One um, thing. Do you want to paint? We'll give you that. No. We'll give yeah. that to you. Yeah, you want painting or No, I can't paint. It's just totally, you can talk figures. into a microphone. Okay. Can I do that? Yeah. I mean you're doing it right now. <sighs> That's how easy it's it is. It's happening. <laughs> So have you Guys, seen... I'm doing it. Look at me. No hands. <laughs> I'm literally holding the microphone. <laughs> Normally it's no hands. Anyway, um, the album Low in 1977 moved away from narration in Bowie's songwriting to a more abstract musical form. I like this part, in which lyrics were sporadic and optional. <laughs> I love that for some reason. Eh. Put some in if you want. Yeah. I like that. It received considerable negative criticism upon its release, but it's it's later been heralded as genius. Wow, because that's his first one with Brian Eno, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's right. And this is what he sort of calls the um. There's a there's a trilogy here, or the the Berlin trilogy. And there's another word used later. Don't spoil it. That I think you might enjoy. Shut! Don't spoil it. Um. (laughs) 
Composer Philip Glass praised Bowie's gift for creating fairly complex pieces of music masquerading as simple pieces. Um, Again, great compliment. Fairly complex, adequate to the years. (laughs) Heroes was released in 1977 and incorporated pop and rock to a greater extent. Um, And Bowie was joined by guitarist Robert Fripp, another good name. After completing Low and Heroes, he spent much of 1978 on the uh, on a world tour, bringing the music of the first two uh, first two albums in the Berlin trilogy. Berlin, King um, Crimson. Sorry, I, that's Robert Fripp's band. Ah, think of you, just, you, you went blank for a second. That's yeah. what you're thinking of. Um, uh, yeah, so the, the sorry this this tour sort of brought the music of the first two albums to almost a million people during seventy concerts in twelve countries. Wow, isn't that crazy? Good average crowd size. Hmm. And he'd kind of broken his drug addiction here as well, and he was feeling better. He's performing a lot better. Um, the final album in what Bowie called his triptych. <gasps> yes. Yes. Harking back to that first ever episode. So good. Bloody love a triptych. All those years ago, and the third album was Lodger. And it was released in 1979. Lodger that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a mixture of new wave and world music, um, uh, and there, like there was quite experimental. So, for example, um, "Boys Keep Swimming" entailed band members swapping instruments. Uh, "Move On" used the chords from Bowie's early composition "All the Young Dudes" played backwards, and "Red Money" took the backing tracks from "Sister Midnight," a piece previously composed with Iggy Pop. So they were kind of like really playing with music and mixing it around a bit. I like them swapping instruments. That seems fun. Yeah. To me, they get like they sing a chorus and then they throw their instrument to the next yeah, person. Yeah, just imagining that it, it's like a little like musical chair station. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, it's almost like they just stopped respecting their listeners and <laughs> just like, fuck it, who cares? We'll just release any old crap. Pe- people are buying it. People are buying it. I'm David Bowie, motherfucker. I don't know. I don't play this instrument. Let can me we, have a crack at it. Can we start a band? Dave, you can play bass. I can. I can kind of play the keys and, and a ukulele. I'll Matt. get a recorder. I mean, Yes, I, the world. It's a bit unfortunate that Dave took the bass, the one thing that I'm uh, adequate at. But Sorry. Can you do anything else, Dave? I can also play guitar. Damn, yeah. what about drums? We <laughs> need a drummer. You can play guitar? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, he's a, he, he, can play, he can play it all. Except drums. <laughs> You're suddenly so much more attractive to me. Thank you. I'm a bad boy. But I'm a real sucker for the drums. Oh, well, I'll have a go. Thank you. Just like this band is clearly having a go. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to have a go. Have a crack. That's what we could do. I can do the drums. Lady drummers are fun. Hey? Lady like spider bait? <laughs> White stripes? No, they don't have a lady drummer. Damn it. No, they had a lady <laughs> bass player. Yeah. Damn. Anyway. <laughs> Lodger reached number four in the UK and number 20 in the US, so it's still doing pretty well. Um, jumping ahead a little bit um, to the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down, Jess. <laughs> I can't keep up with this crazy time oh, shift. I am going to be jumping ahead soon, but I just also wanted to talk about um, uh, Scary Monsters and Super Creeps, which was in 1980. It was, uh, produced the number one hit, Ashes to Ashes. Um, That's which, a great song. Yeah. Um, and it revisited the character of Major Tom from Space Oddity as well. He paired with Queen in 1981 for a one-off single release, Under Pressure. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, so good. So good. After, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like it. Don't 
don't you? Really? Yeah. What do you know? I, like around, their voices are both soaring. It's amazing. I've come around to it later, though. Right. Re-listening yeah. to it now, I like it. That's, what do you It's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I've just never, I've just never been able to get into it. I don't know anyone else. I know I'm, I'm a weirdo on this one. Fair but. enough. No, it's okay. This is a safe place. I remember after Bowie died, though. Spoilers. Um, uh, they released like the raw f- um recording of just their vocals, and it's. Really cool. Yeah, right. Really cool to listen to that because you're like, holy shit, those are two very powerful voices. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of cool. And it became Bowie's third UK number one single. So it, like, it did really well. Um, he reached his peak of popularity and commercial success in 1983 with Let's Dance. Um, it's wild how long he was at the top four. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? And um, the album went platinum in both the UK and the US. Its three singles became top 20 hits in both countries. Um, and yeah, the, the album was number one tonight, which was in 1984, another dance orientated album, um, found Bowie collaborating with Tina Turner and once again, Iggy Pop as well. Um, it included a number of cover songs among them, the 1966 Beach Boys hit God Only Knows. It's one of my favorite tunes. Mm, it's one of my all time favorite, the original though. Yeah. yeah. Not that I love that song too. Really? Oh. Guys, that can be the first song we cover. It's our song. Yeah, I think I think the Beach Boys already nailed it. Yeah, no, let's cover the I'm song not... that we all think is one of the best ever and make it a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So glad you guys get it. <laughs> um, he Bowie shelved his solo career in 1989 and re- he retreated to the relative anonymity of band membership. For the first time since the 70s. So he's like, no, 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 I'm going to be part of a big group now. Um, and the band that he sort of was put together was Tin Machine. And although he intended Tin Machine to operate as a democracy, he kind of dominated both in songwriting and in decision-making. And they had some commercial success with their debut self-titled titled album, but Bowie put the second album on hold and sort of did some more touring as a solo artist again. Um, in October of 1990, a decade after his divorce from Angie, he and Angie divorced, um, that's not, I can't, I keep thinking, of, that's not the song Mick Jagger, he didn't write it about her, did he? Angie. Angie. You just, just don't hear of a lot of Angies and he was friends like, with Jagger, I right? I feel like I've heard that before. It, feel, it feels very believable if it is true, but also. Quick, just look it up. All right. That's my parents' I'll song, by the way. Even, I feel like it is, like, didn't they all, because they were all, like, sleeping around together and stuff. My dad tells this story sometimes about him and his best mate when he was younger were drinking, I got so drunk, and then his mate Steve, they would just laugh so hard because Steve was so drunk that he was dancing, hugging a pole, but singing, Pole Angie, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I still love you. Pole Angie. <laughs> Um, you're right. Angie's written the bill. It's a rumor that it's written about right. David Bowie's wife, Angela. I felt like I heard that. Who yeah. She wrote in her autobiography that she once walked in on Bowie and Mick Jagger in bed together. Yeah, because there's rumors that they had an affair, right? That is. Yep. So, yes. Believe. Very good. Well done. <laughs> Bowie Angie. <laughs> Angie. Anyway, he met. Um, so, in 1990, um, he met supermodel Iman. Um, they were introduced by a mutual friend, and he recalled, I was naming the children the night we met. It was absolutely immediate. Oh, wow. 
I'm like, wait, which children? Yeah, oh, sorry, their I'm, future children. Their future children. Oh, re- renaming his already <laughs> adult children. Aman, what do you want me to call him? I'll call him Frank. <laughs> do you like that? Let me know. What do you want? What Greg. do you want? Anything, anything for you. He's currently Duncan, but we can change that. That is negotiable. Dad, I'm 27. <laughs> Shut, Shut up, up, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like Frank? Huh? 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 Uh, do you like when I tell him to shut up? Because I can do it again. <laughs> Shut up, Frank. She loves it. She loves it. Um, they married in 1992. Um, Tin Machine resumed their work the same, um, same month, um, but their audience and uh, critics were ultimately left pretty disappointed um, and showed very little. They were disappointed in the first album and showed very little interest in the second. So, right. um, Did not win them back. They toured again. Um, their, their live album, Tin Machine Live, Oy Vey, Baby. Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, no. I think that's a whole reason I copy and paste that in because I wanted to, to say that to that you. So... Oh, baby. Oh, baby. It failed commercially and the band kind of drifted apart. Unbelievable and... that it failed. I know. And Bowie went back to his solo career. Um, he and his wife uh, had a daughter, Alexandria or Lexi, um, Zara Jones, and she was born in August of 2000. Um, they resided primarily in New York and London as well as owning an apartment in Sydney's Elizabeth Bay. Did huh. not know that. Did not know that. Never heard of Elizabeth Bay. No, I had to ask um, a Sydney cider where it is. Is it like an affluent nice? Yeah, it's a really beachy. nice area. Right on the, I think, I think, and I apologise Sydney people if I'm wrong, but I think it's quite close to like the harbour on the ocean. Right. Point Harbour. And they had their. You're just saying other places yeah. that I still don't know. They're, that's where Malcolm Turnbull, our Prime Minister, lives. Yeah, I was told it's. In the vague proximity of kind of where the Prime Minister lives. Which is Point Piper. Well done, Matt. Thank you. Good job, everybody. Um, so I'm skipping ahead a bit now because, like I said at the very beginning, there is not possibly enough time to talk about everything that Bowie did. And basically he continued to release an abundance of work across so many different styles of music um, and recreating his image and his style many times. Um, throughout the 90s, for example, he went through a more electronic phase of music Um and he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in January of 1996. Um, jumping, a good year. Jumping ahead quite a bit. On the 10th of January 2016, two days after his 69th birthday and the release of the album Black Star, Bowie died from liver cancer in his New York City apartment. He'd been diagnosed 18 months earlier but had not made the news of his illness public. No, I was so shocked. Yeah, mm. it was a shock. I know a lot it? of people were. But yeah. Wow, it just felt like. Really? He yeah. just re- released an album, which is actually an amazing way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great album. And Johnny Cash did the same, right? It's it's interesting mm. how some big artists will will be able to live just long enough. Yeah, hang on. In Cash's case to record an album or, or Bowie's just to see it released. You hear stories of that across so many different things. They're not just artists. You'll hear like people holding on to like until their They've kid's got, wedding or something yes. and then they'll die soon after. Or, or the new Star Wars release. Exactly. Similar. <laughs> similar emotional experiences. Similar big life milestones. That you want to be around for. Things that really matter. Yeah. yeah. Like being disappointed by a Star Wars film <laughs> just moments before death. What a way to go. What a way to go. <laughs> Following Bowie's deaths, fan ga- fans gathered at impromptu street shrines um, at the mural of Bowie in his birthplace of Brixton, South London. Um, fans laid flowers and they sang his songs. Other memorial sites included Berlin, L.A. and outside his apartment in New York as well. Um, after the news of his death, sales of his albums and singles soared, as it always does when 
um, when any kind of musician passes away, their their music like people just have this resurgence to listen back to it. So yeah. there's always a real boom, which is fascinating and kind of strange. Yeah, I guess um, it's maybe some people mourning and other people just going, "Oh shit, yeah, should listen to that guy." Yeah, he's dead now. Mm. Makes him cooler. <laughs> He insisted that he didn't want a funeral at all, um, and according Is this to this, after he died, probably before he died. Oh, to be honest, my God. Um, oh. <laughs> so he that didn't was want haunting. A, he didn't want a funeral. No funeral. Do they have one? Didn't no. want a fast no, And according to his death certificate, he was cremated in New Jersey a couple of days after he ashes passed away. Ashes to the ashes. Um, Fun to funky. I want to talk a tiny bit about his legacy as well, and then. Um, uh, a fun fact at the end. Keep in mind as well, I've only talked about the first few decades of his music career. He was also in films from 1968. People are going to be pissed off if you don't go into the labyrinth. I We watched it in primary school and I hated it. We watched it in primary school and I loved it. Interesting. It was 20 years apart, two experiences. 120. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Your version of the labyrinth was uh, written inside the labyrinth. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, so I've I've only touched on part of his music career. I haven't even gone into his acting career or anything else. I'm glad you him. mentioned his painting though. Yeah, a bit of painting in there too. <laughs> bit but of dancing. Just, but I just mean like it's it's amazing that I've talked for an hour about this person and I've covered one small facet of their yeah. life. That's you didn't amazing. Talk about his hit cover with uh, Jagger of Dancing in the Street, which they did for charity, mm. and they made a film clip like. In in half a day, they just shot just it, did it, just dancing around. Have you seen? Oh, it? I've seen the clip. Have you, have have you just... seen the video of it where they've taken out the music and it's just them breathing? <laughs> Which I think someone's dubbed over them breathing, but it's fucking so funny. And sort of just like the shoes shuffling and stuff. I'll find it and post it. And it's so funny. That's so good. Um, so for uh, Bowie's nineteen sixty nine commercial breakthrough. The song Space Oddity won him an Ivor Novello Special Award for Originality. That's a cool award. I feel like other um, one-hit wonders you were talking about, Matt, probably would get that kind of respect later on if they went on to make other songs. It wasn't just the Macarena or the Ketchup song. (laughs) Which is fun, but not not worthy of heaps of awards. Not timeless. Also, if you don't do anything apart from that, people are like, well, that was... That was your mumbo number. Are you, are you telling me that there was never <laughs> an award banger. given to the thong song? That thong, the thong, thong, thong. <laughs> Tiesto, was that him? <laughs> no, that was. Oh, what was his name? What's that on, guy? I'm on it. it. Starts with S. Cisco. Cisco. That's what I'm thinking of. Cisco. And Tiesto's the DJ. Um. Uh, he won six Grammy Awards and four Brit Awards, winning Best uh, British Male Artist twice, the Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music in 1996, and the Brits Icon Award for his lasting impact on British culture, which was given after his death in 2016. It's kind of funny, for some reason, expecting him to win way more Grammys and Brit Awards, but... Mm. Um, he declined the uh, the Royal Honour of the Commander of the Order of the British in 2000. Doesn't and like he, to and, sail ships. And he turned down a knighthood in 2003. I'm going to make him Sir David Bowie. He's like, nah. <laughs> thanks. I'm good, um, thanks. But... I just think it's so rock and roll. Yeah. The Telegraph in 2016 estimated Bowie's total worldwide sales at 140 million records. In the United Kingdom, 
He was awarded nine platinums, 11 gold and eight silver albums, and in the US, five platinum and nine gold. In that's, 20... Sorry. That's just... That's a lot of... That's a lot. In 2016, Rolling Stone proclaimed Bowie the greatest rock star ever. Wow. And I want to just finish on this fun fact. And I know I'm usually the judge of if they're fun or not, but here is my fun fact. Okay, I hope it's fun. In September of 1998, Bowie launched an internet service provider, BowieNet, developed in conjunction with Robert Goodale and Roy and Ron Roy. Subscribers to the dial-up service were offered exclusive content as well as a BowieNet email address and internet access. The service was closed by 2006. <laughs> Much of your email is like Jess Perkins at BowieNet.com. Oh. That's cool. I mean, it could have been just Bowie.net. Could have been. I just didn't get it. <laughs> at BowieNet.net.com. And that is my brief overview of um, an amazing career. Uh, well, the first few decades of a career of David Bowie. That is pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. Matt, did you have anything in there that you wanted to add? I'm trying to think now. Um, it's so hard to to capture. Because uh, since, since I abandoned that report, mm. I went so deep into Johnny Cash of that course. I just can't. Can't remember anything about David Bowie. Yeah, I, 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 I imagine you probably were across a lot of the things. I did find a website. Said what did it's called? What did David Bo- David Bowie do at your age? And you put in your age, and it tells you what. Oh, can he do our ages? Yes, we right. won't reveal Matt's age. Of course, that'd be offensive. So our age, David. To time, yeah, to time. He moonwalked. He moonwalked long before Michael Jackson on the Diamond Dog tour, and there's a video. He's bloody moonwalking. Oh man, he invented the fucking moonwalk. What, what did he? Go. What did he do at? Um, well, I, obviously... I'm putting in your age, but I'm not going to reveal what it is. He created the hit Under Pressure in collaboration with yeah, Queen. Yeah, he, he had a very good year, my birth year. But um, That's obviously you had to change uh, the 16 to a 19 Yeah, because to he... make that birth year work. Exactly. But, um, that, yeah, that's cool. I think people... Is it's my... fun. Yeah, that is cool. I don't think my age is really a, a deep, dark secret. I am 3,000 years old. Exactly. Today. Oh, wow. Oh, happy, happy you old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you old bastard. Hey, let's thank some people. Or should we say, uh, I'm sure a, a lot of people suggested David oh, Bowie. Oh, yeah, of course. Sorry, I meant to say that at the very start. Who were those cool people? Um, this topic was suggested by Zoe Jones, who maybe is a oh. long-distance relative of wow, Zoe Bowie. Zoe Jones. So Zoe she got Jones. the surname and her first name rhymes with Bowie. Mm. <gasps> and she spells it Z-O-E-Y, which I love. Um, and Sally um, Sally Pritchard as well. Thank you, Zoe and Sally. Yeah, the two. So That's interesting. I well know. Done. I would have thought it would be more, but I, I searched through both hats. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. I try. Mm. There's going to be someone. There's definitely. I'm, I'm looking now while we. Oh, fuck. Zoe, <laughs> at Zoe F and Jones. Yeah, that That's great. That was it. Just those two. I did check. Back yourself, Jess. Okay. Um. Thank you to those guys, Sally and Zoe, for suggesting David Bowie's a topic. Great one. And if you want to suggest another great topic, of course, you can do so at any time via our suggestion hat, Jack the Hat McVitie. There is a link to follow in the description of this episode. You click the link, 
you fill out your details, and then you tell us, you give us the topic, and you tell us why you think it would make a great topic. Mm. So it's always fun to read those. Do it. Please. Oh, there we go. And if you want us to keep um, if you want to keep supporting the show or start supporting the show, you can go to patreon.com slash dogoonpod. It's always very nice. I have an idea of what we can do for the Patreon listeners today. Oh, very, very good. Now, if you want us to read out your name you can or get bonus episodes, you just sign up to our show, give us a little bit per month, and we will love you. I'm looking. Uh, we'll go with your one. My idea was what kind of dog. So diamond dog. Oh, <laughs> fuck. That's good. Be- no, that's, be- All right, hang on. That's your pitch. Dave, you get to choose. Okay, great. So, okay, if we go with Matt's, we give them a type of dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good when you put can it. I, can I jump in before your one? Because yours is probably going to be the best. Oh, my God. You have an idea too. Uh, th- th- we say what kind of thin white thing they are. <laughs> <laughs> that leads terribly. The thin was, white dog. <laughs> I was going to really say good. we name their backing band. Oh, yeah, very good. The hype. Like the hype or the spiders from Mars or, or the, yes, the dogs. The dogs. So what do you want to go with? Backing band, type of dog, thin white something. <laughs> Look, I'm happy Can to I go. Can I change my vote? <laughs> what do you want to go with? Let's go, Jess. Is, let's it's your topic, Jess. I think we should go. Backing bad's fun. Don't patronise cre- me. It is also more creative. It's the best one. <laughs> it is the best one. But the thin white something is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> you are a thin white worm. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, nearly everything would be no good. Oh, thin white dick. Thin white stool. <laughs> oh, yuck. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's do it then. Who wants to kick it off? I'd love to thank. Um, from California oh. in Monterey Park, Jacob Gyron or Gyron. <laughs> Jacob and the Gyrators. Oh, yeah, yeah. perfect. Perfect. Jacob Gyron and the Gyrators. Gyron, son. Gyron. That's great, Dave. Do Gyron. <laughs> do Gyron, run. Do, do Gyron. Jacob Gyron. Jacob Gyron. What do you reckon? G I R O N. Gyron. Yeah, it could be Giron. Giron. Jacob Giron. Andy Jarretos. But he's from California, so if, you, if we were looking at like a, f- a French place, maybe. But I think they probably would have just... Garon. Americanized it and called it Garon. Jacob Garon. Love it. Jacob right. Garon and the Gyrators. So good. I'd also love to thank uh, a lot close home from Melbourne in the suburb of Carnegie, Mr. Darren Luchner. Darren. Darren Lutchner and the Lunchtime Boys. <laughs> Do you say lunchtime? I tried to say lunchtime. I have struggled a lot today. Darren Lutchner and the Lunchtime Boys is pretty good. Do you like That's it? Really good. Love Don't it. patronize me. No, I enjoy it. <laughs> they all dress up as sandwiches. Yeah. They're cross cut off. Uh, could I thank some people now? If yes. you must. I would like to thank from Brighton East here in Melbourne. Mm. Very affluent suburb. Very nice. No, Brighton East. Oh, really? So, Bright- is there a difference between Brighton and Brighton East? Yeah, I Matt grew up, there, I grew up uh, near... Oh, uh, you know, you, you go from Brighton on the beach, which is the most expensive, then Brighton East, and then a part of the, that crosses over the highway. So, you could be, you could even be on the wrong side of the highway where I grew up in Brighton East, but I grew up in Moorabbin, which touches Brighton East. Wow. So, so a it's, real, a real, it's a quick drop-off. So it's so a real, br- real shithole. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great spot. I, that's where I uh, used to play golf all the time at Brighton East at the Brighton Golf Club course. 
It's a great spot. I'm only fucking around, Michael Irwin. I just when you when I found out your name was Irwin. <laughs> he hasn't said it yet. I'm thanking Michael Irwin if you didn't get that, Michael. Now, what happened when you found out his name was Michael Irwin? I got furious. I just went back to that time where Jess oh, cracked it. Cracked it about all the Irwins, especially Michael, if Michael. I remember it right. Is that the one you really got furious yeah, at? Yeah, I got mad about him. Mad he... about Michael. Oh, <laughs> Michael Irwin and the Mad Hatters. <gasps> oh, that's cool. Mad Hatters and okay, the no, you, you, you didn't enjoy that. Go, you try. Someone else Mike. try. No, I'm shit at it, okay? <laughs> You hate me. I get it. Michael Irwin and the Snappy Crocodiles. <laughs> yes, but it has to be said like that. Snappy Crocodiles. Crocodiles. <laughs> and then people would read the post and be like, Snappy Crocodiles. No. No. Oh, crocodiles. Snappy Crocodiles. Crocodiles. And they, they, they dress as crocodiles in tuxedos. I love it. I love it. Who else you got, Dave? I would like to thank from our capital territory, the Australian capital territory, a, a person who is, uh, I, I believe, frequently, I recognise their profile picture here, frequently in contact on Twitter, which we always enjoy, Laura, Laura Cotterill. Laura Cotterill. <laughs> Do you want to go again? Sorry. What happened? Sorry. He's editing I, the I, I, kept, I, I had it spelt Lorna, and then I'm like, must be Lauren. Let's change it to Lauren. And then I went... Double check that. Well, oh, it's Laura. Luckily, yeah. I'm reading from so, yeah, I tra- oh, yeah. Like, it would have been changing multiple Sorry. times before your eyes. So. But I could see it changing and it was funny. All oh, right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. I would like to thank from our Australian Capital Territory, a frequent tweeter, which we always appreciate, Laura Cotterill. Oh, oh Laura, Laura Cotterill Laura and Cotterill. the <coughs> Laura Cotterill and the cold and flu medications. <laughs> I believe Laura is a uh, student of some type. I remember seeing on her profile before. Possibly a writing student. Am I right, Laura? Hmm? Possibly not. So the the cough medication. Or Laura Cotterill and the studious Kiddlywinks. I love it. I love it too. I love it. It's almost as good as lower third. (laughs) That good. That good. Lower third is such a... That is... One of the worst things I've ever heard of, oh, or the best. Now they're always on that fine line. Anyway, thank you so much, Laura. We appreciate your support. I would like to thank a couple of people as well, if that's cool with you guys. That'd be so good. Uh, another one who's a frequent uh, tweeter and emailer as well from Roville. Now I'm definitely going to get the surname wrong here, but I'm going to give it my very best shot. I would like to thank Jackie Bonifin. Bonifin. That's what I always always read it as. She's also she's uh, given us a topic. One of mm. our episodes was based on uh, a yeah. Jackie's suggestion. Maybe it was it the Christmas time mysteries, maybe even. Maybe. Jackie and I have had a couple of email chats. What about uh, Jackie Bonifin and the benevolent... Bonoffy Pies. Yeah. Benevolent Bonoffy Pies. Do you Jackie, like it? Jackie Bonifin and the benevolent Bonoffy Pies. Love it. That's Rolls off the so tongue. Bonoffy Bun, so it's all alliteration. Oh, Bonoffy Bun. Tism wrote a song about Roeville. It was called 14 Years in Roeville. And the chorus <laughs> went, I sentence you to 14 years in Roeville. That's about right. That's funny. Get worse for murder these days. <laughs> you get worse what? for murder. Probably a good thing. 
You get worse than 14 years in I robot. said less for murder. I feel like he's, I heard more. You get worse. No, you get worse for murder. And that scale is correct. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and I'd also like to thank, because we have a lot of, um, like a real run of Australians there and like three Victorians in there, which is very cool. But across the seas, I would like to thank from Glasgow, Glasgow, Josh Carson. Josh Carson and the talk show hosts. <laughs> okay. Johnny Carson. Joshy Carson. <laughs> Joshy Carson and the talk, talk show. Host. I love it. That's great. That's cool. There you go. Well, thank you, Josh Thanks and Jackie, to- Laura, Michael, Darren and Jacob. Thank you. Let us know when you hit number one on any chart in the world, even yes. if it's Belgium or something. <laughs> I'd still be impressed. Slightly. Oh, really? <laughs> kind of. Number one in Belgium. Mm, okay. Get worse right. for murder. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> And thanks to everyone that supports the show through Patreon. You really do make a difference in our lives. Pause for reflection. (laughs) And you can uh, get in contact at any time at dogoonpod at gmail.com. As I said, suggest a uh, a topic through the link, which is in the description of this episode, and at dogoonpod for all the social medias. It's always great to hear from you. Not long now till those comedy festival shows, so please do come down. And Matt is touring the country, so go say hey. Because just like... Uh, <laughs> just say, hey, honestly, we'll now know if you heard this episode, if Matt is in Adelaide and someone comes up to him and just says, hey. Yeah, but you'll also forget and then you'll be like, did you just say, hey? And then I'll have to be like, yeah, from that episode where you talk, you said, come up and say, hey. It'll be very confusing and awkward. Just go up and say hello like a normal nah, person. I really want you to back this one. <laughs> hey. Matt, remember, hey. All right, I'll do my best to remember, I'll look like hey. an idiot if you don't get this. Oh, my God. And I'll write it on my hand. Hey. Hey. It ain't me, Habe. No, 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 it ain't me, Habe. Ain't me you're looking, looking for, Habe. <laughs> All I'm thinking is like when's the funny song? Hey, baby. Hey, babe, hey, hey, babe. Habe. Habe, 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 Habe. That's that's. Girls say, Habe, Habe, Oh, we've got we've we've had a good time this week. Mm. We've had some laughs, and uh, thank you to David Bowie for being the coolest man ever, so we can talk about you on the show. You were a legend. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, get in contact, give us a review, do all the fun stuff. But until then, I will say goodbye. Later. Yep. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. It's not optional. You have to do it. <laughs> We used to go easy on it, but now you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.